Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Thank you, Christian. He is risen. The world knows us by our love. Sometimes it's a lack of love that they know us by, but they know us by our love. You know the person next to you by their love or their lack of love. In fact, people know God by our love, by our love for each other, by our love for him. But we only know God because he loved us first. Wouldn't it be great if we could just prove God with science or with history? Wouldn't it be, God if, wouldn't it be great if we could just, if, it was, if, if the reality of God, the reality of the cross could be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt so that no one could deny It would make life a lot easier for, uh, for the evangelists of the world. One of the things that breaks my heart is the people around me and the people around the world who don't know Christ because of the joy that I know and the, and the love that I know. Um, it breaks my heart when someone doesn't know that. And I just, it, it, you know, uh, the idea of proving God, you know, it's, it's the way that we do things, isn't it? We want proof. We're looking for proof in every area of our lives. Prove yourself to me. You know, we, we love proof because when we have proof, we know who's responsible for something great or who's to blame when something went wrong. Yet God didn't send his son to die and then to rise again for proof of his existence. He did it to restore relationships. He did it to restore relationship. You see, broken relationship is the greatest problem on earth. We might think it's climate change or we might think it's poverty or we might think it's war. These are, these are very big challenges that we face in, in our lives today. But the greatest problem on the planet always has been, always will be, is broken relationship. The first is a disconnect from God. And the second is a close follow-on, a disconnect from each other. I was reading in the, in the Australian yesterday, Greg Sheridan wrote these words. He was talking about Easter and, and he said, In the end, history alone cannot establish the truth or falsehood of the gospel's miracles. What it does establish is that the very earliest followers of Jesus including his closest friends, proclaimed that he had risen bodily from the dead. They told everyone they could about it, often finally at the cost of their own lives. This was declared in, the, in our national newspaper yesterday. How could they have all believed this? Here's the scoop. Because it's true.
Why doesn't God reveal himself in all his glory and power so that the world could know him and follow him? Why doesn't our life read like the Bible? It's a question I've battled with for many years. You know, we, like the Jews, when Jesus came, uh, we're looking for a solution to the world. We're looking for solutions to our lives. While God came for a different reason. He came to create a pathway, a pathway to relationship that had been broken, that had been lost. We want, the, we want the cross sometimes to be a transaction of power. Yet Christ said, I am the door. I am the door. He's the door to eternal life. And what is eternal life? John 17 says eternal life is to know God. Eternal life is relationship. We're thinking about the mansions in heaven, the healings we're going to get on here, the, the amazing wealth that we're going to get, the, the restoration of humanity. God's saying, hey, take a moment and glory in this, that you know me, that you simply know God. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25. For the message of the cross is absurd and illogical to those who are perishing. Why? Because they reject it. But to us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the power of God. For it is written and forever remains written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. This is the philosophy of the philosophers. And the cleverness of the clever I will nullify. Where is the wise man, the philosopher? Where is the scribe, the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not exposed the foolishness of this world's wisdom? For since the world, through all its earthly wisdom, failed to recognise God, God in his wisdom was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached regarding salvation to save those who believe in Christ and welcome him as saviour. For Jews demanded signs, attesting miracles. Greeks pursue earthly wisdom and philosophy. We all fit in there somewhere, don't we? We're all seeking either wisdom or answers or solutions or we're seeking power and miracles and, and, and testimony. But we, we preach Christ crucified. A message which is to Jews a stumbling block that provokes their opposition and to Gentiles foolishness, just utter nonsense. But to those who are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is because the foolishness of God is not foolishness at all and is wiser than men far beyond human comprehension. And the weakness of God is stronger than men, far beyond the limits of human effort. Isn't it amazing that that we're we're constantly looking for the strength of God? We're constantly looking for the the substance of God's power and the transactions that we, the the fruit of the resurrection that that brings us uh, the things that add to our lives. God's saying, 
It's my weakness. To, to consider God having a weakness is, is, is far, far from our ability to understand. God allowed his son to come and to be weak and to be killed by people. The other weakness of God is us. Not just Christ's weakness on the cross, but the weakness of Christ's people all through the world. We're constantly seeing the weakness of God's people, aren't we? we fall, we're constantly falling. You know, if anyone's got some accusations against the church, you know, they're, they're genuinely well-founded. Because we, like everyone else, are human. We are weak. We're weakened by our own impulses. We're weakened by our own affections. But God's weakness, allowing his son to be killed by humanity, is stronger than our greatest strength. God chose our lives, our weakness, to be the carriers of his hope to this generation. He's using you today. Don't despise your weakness. Verse 26 goes on and says this, just look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standards. Not many powerful or influential. Not many high and noble birth. What good can come out of Nazareth, the Bible says. David says, do not forsake me in my old age, Lord, till I've declared your greatness to this generation. God waits for Abraham and Sarah to go to be beyond childbearing age before he allows them to have their child. God chooses the weakest son of Jesse to become king of all Israel. Rahab the prostitute is in the lineage of Christ. Moses the stutter is the voice of God to the Pharaoh. Gideon the scared becomes a mighty man of valor. And God's own son gets killed by his own people before God raises him in glory. Don't despise the weakness. Don't despise your youth. Don't despise your age. Let the weak say that I am strong, the Bible says. God wants to use you. People don't see God in your strength. They see it in the joy when you're walking in your weakness. They see it in the transparency when you're not trying to hide what's, what's weak about you. You're saying, through my weakness, you can see God's strength. Somehow I'm full of joy, even though my life doesn't display what naturally would lead to joy. One of humanity's great battles is that we keep looking for hope in people. Maybe that guy will save us. We're going to have an election, so maybe if we vote for the right guy or the right girl, they, they can... Make our country great. But God is asking us to look through people for the Christ in them. I want to encourage you this morning, don't be distracted by what you see in someone's lives. Look deeper. Look deeper into their lives and look through their facade. Look through, what through their strength and allow yourself to see the greatness of God in them. Verse 27, but God has selected for his purpose 
the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame things which are strong, revealing their frailty. You know, we saw that great old 900-year-old building, Notre Dame, burn in Paris this week. And uh, there's a story of a of a um, a priest who was a chaplain in the Paris uh, fire brigade, and his name was Father Jean Marc Fournier. And he braved the scene to save the priceless religious relics from from the building. He went in where no one else would go in, and I think it was the mayor. The mayor told the, the mayor of Paris told the story that he insisted on being allowed to enter the cathedral despite the danger. And he went and rescued the crown of thorns and all those things but that, that, that um, they hold dear. It wasn't one of the firemen. It was a Catholic priest who went in there, the chaplain of the fire brigade who went in there. And it, the crazy thing, this wasn't the first time this lowly man of the cloth entered danger. In 2015, he entered the back, Battle of Clan, Battle of Clan whatever, you know, the, um, the concert hall. It's not a party. The Bataclan concert hall where 90 people were killed during the terrorist attack. And the terrorists were still in the concert hall and bullets were flying when he went in to help evacuate the wounded. Not a fireman, not a policeman, a chaplain. Just a man of the cloth, untrained in the way of, of warfare and bullets, but trained in the way of faith and hope. See, he wasn't afraid of death. He knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the world declared him brave. For him, it was another day. God wants to use the weakest things to show his greatness. When people see you, we think that people see our gift. We think that when people see the, the musicians up here, we see their gift. I don't see the gift of the musicians. I see the character. I see how they struggle, in, in, and, I, and I love that the fact that, that they choose to be worshippers. You know, I, lo- I love when I meet people, I meet, I meet so many of you, and I, and, I, and I get to see what's beyond the facade. You know, we go through life and we have these, you know, they say the stages of belonging. The first stage of belonging is the public gathering. You know, we come to church in a gathering like this, and then we get out of here as quick as possible, but we have a sense of belonging in public. But then you might stick around after church and have a cup of tea with someone and you step into this next level of belonging, which is the social level of belonging, where you test the waters and you talk about football and you talk about food and you talk about that, that, that word, the weather, which you know we shall not discuss. If you're not part of this church, one of my challenges is that, that uh, I challenge you to not talk about the weather. It's very difficult, isn't it? And once we've tested the waters and we have a sense of belonging in the social, we might step in and have someone over for dinner. And we get into that personal place of belonging where we exchange the stories of our lives, where we, where we share about our challenging times and our dreams and we, and we, we unpack uh, the what-ifs, the what-could-have-beens and, uh, and, the, and the opportunities that are before us. And it's a great space to be known. 
You know, that we're in a time of life where we, we have more friends than at any time in history, but we're less known than at any time in history. And then after we step beyond this, this personal sense of belonging, we step into this place called intimate belonging, where we get on our knees before our heavenly Father and we bear our soul. We confess our soul. And we say, Lord, know me completely, that I may know you completely. Draw near to me, God says, and I will draw near to you. The Lord, he's, he's inviting us to step through the public, through the social, through the personal and into the intimate with him where we may know him completely, where we may worship him fully. Verse 28 goes on, God has selected for his purpose the insignificant, the base things of this world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. But it is from him that you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God, revealing his plan of salvation and righteousness, making us acceptable to God and sanctification, making us holy and set apart for God and redemption, providing our ransom from the penalty for sin. When God uses the weak, we tend to put our trust in God and not in the person. When someone strong rescues you, your tendency is to put your trust in that person. When God uses a Gideon who's hiding under a tree to rescue Israel, people don't put their faith in Gideon, they put their faith in God. Don't glory in your riches, the Bible says. Don't glory in your health. Don't glory in your strength. The Bible says, glory in the simple fact that you know me. Because in your strength, you go, oh, was that God or was that me? In your weakness, there's, there's really no doubt. I think it's time, church, that we positioned our weaknesses where God's strength can be visible. As we step out into our families, into our jobs, and into our community and beyond, into our schools, into sport, let's not just position our strengths, let's position our weaknesses. Because when we are weak, God's strength is revealed. When your strength is visible, people will love you. When, your, when his strength is visible through your weakness, they will love him. This is why transparency is so important. Transparency levels the field so that we can all see the coming Jesus. Sometimes we can't see Jesus because the people in front of him are so amazing. When someone's honest about their brokenness, we hold them in such regard. When someone's not honest about their brokenness, we hold them in such regard that we cannot see beyond them. If you tell me the truth about you, I can see the Jesus in you. If you hold back the truth from me, I cannot see beyond the story that you're telling 
We're in a hole. We can't see past ourselves. When someone's elevated above us, we cannot see beyond them. I love Isaiah's vision of John the Baptist. And the coming Jesus says this. He says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Verse 4, for every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Church, is a time for some transparency in our lives. I think a lot of times people can't, cannot see God because they're either in a hole or the people of God are blocking the vision of God. Sometimes we need to step out of our hole to be allow God to raise us up, allow those to raise us up out of our hole. And for those of us who, who, are, who are so visible, God's calling us to humble ourselves so that the rest of the world can see him. Position your weakness, because in your weakness they can see God. I find in life the greatest battle is when our strengths come together. We tend to be in battle. What is the one thing that unites us? We're about to take communion in this place in the next few minutes. The one thing that unites us is none of us are worthy to be in relationship with God. Yet he sent his son to live as a man on earth, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to be raised again from the dead for the, for the beautiful gift that we can be restored into relationship with him. The unifying factor is none of us are worthy. Some of us think, you know, we're having a good day, we're having a bad day, decides whether we can pray or whether we can have access or whether we can come to church or whatever these things are. But God's saying, when, when were you ever worthy? When were you ever worthy? Church, it's such a humbling statement. Because in our weakness, we become strong because we allow ourselves to stand on the platform of his grace and not on the perfection of our behaviour. Isaiah envisioned the valleys will be exalted and all the mountains will be brought low so that the people together can see God's coming glory. We live in a, a, a world that's addicted to control. Who holds the remote control in your house? We're addicted to control at every level of society. We want to control our health. We want to control, you know, we no longer exercise outdoors because, you know, because the outdoor, we can't control the weather. So we put it, we have environments that are perfectly uh, acclimatized. So no matter what it is, we can exercise in them. In this world addicted to control, addicted to strength, addicted to beauty, addicted to health and wealth. God used the ultimate weakness to set us free. What a revolutionary idea. 
funny. We look to our gifts to, go, to glorify God. Do you think God's wowed by the gift that he gave you? God's more seen in your weakness than in your strength. So to live a life with some transparency gives people the opportunity to see our strength, to see God's strength, and allows our worship to be truthful. You don't need a great voice to worship. You need an intention to give God glory in every aspect of your being. I ask you today in the midst of all the generous blessings that come with the resurrection. The problem with God is he's given us too much. He's given us so much. And I want to challenge you in the midst of every blessing that he's given you. Remember the beauty of the relationship that you now have access to. Sometimes we get caught only talking to God when we need something from God. I want to suggest to you that talking to God more in relationship than in transaction. I want to suggest to you that, that when you worship, don't just worship, you know, when you gather with people, live a life of worship. I love that how it finishes. Verse 31. So then. As it is written in scripture, he who boasts and glories, let him boast and glory in the Lord. I think sometimes in life, I don't know about you, but before I didn't know that I was lost until that I was found. There's a whole world out there that don't, re- we talk about lost and saved, but the reality is knowing God and not knowing God. You don't realize that you need that how powerful and how great a relationship is until you get into the relationship. I, I, I meet people who, who get saved later in life regularly and they and they they are mortified by the fact that they didn't get to have this relationship with God for the rest of their lives. Don't worry, you're eternal. So this this little uh, this little moment of life that we're experiencing is 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 nothing but the revelation that we don't know God, but we get to know God. That's why we're here today. There's many things that we need. Many of us are broken. We need healing. Many of us are broken. We need wealth. Many of us don't have uh, uh, friends, and we need we would love friends. We, there's many needs that we have in Christ. You know, He's saying, "Look, seek first the kingdom. Seek first relationship with Me, and I'll take care of all that." Why doesn't the band jump up? We don't realize we're lost until we're found. Those guys who are handing out communion could do that. That would be great. I just want to read to you something that that, uh, Mary said in Luke chapter 1. She said this. It's called the Song of Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Saviour. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. 
and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their throne and has exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. For he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Mary said he has put down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the lowly. Today, God reminds us that we are a level playing field. Today, God reminds us that when we choose to step down into humility, when we choose to step up out of our own challenges, that he becomes truly visible. When we allow the coming glory of the King of all kings to be about him and not the state of his people, he becomes truly visible. There's a whole world out there, church, that doesn't know God and they don't realise what they're missing out on. 35% of Australians, I believe, believe that the resurrection happened. 65% don't. Our job's not to prove God. Our job's simply to love God and get on with life. So today, as we take the bread and the cup, let's remember that God came to restore a relationship. The greatest challenge of humanity is broken relationship. Is a disconnect from God causing a disconnect from each other. You see, when people are one with God, it's a lot easier to be one with each other. When people have a disconnect from God, it's very easy for disconnect to be something that's common in your life. And on that day, that, that last supper that Jesus had, as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Just broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together, church. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Let's drink together. And Jesus went on and said these amazing words, but I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they'd sung a hymn,
They went out to the Mount of Olives. Why don't you stand with me this morning, church? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every soul present in your house today. Father, I thank you that in our complete lack of worthiness, you have given us worth. In our complete wrongness, you have made us righteous. Father, in our pain, you have given us joy. Lord, we thank you that you have replaced, Lord, our hearts of stone with a fleshy heart, Lord, ready to love. Father, we don't want to live in disconnect anymore. We want to be connected. We want to be deeply connected to you and to each other, Father. Lord, as we remember that amazing day, that amazing resurrection, we give you honour. We give you glory and we give you praise. Father, we thank you that we are no longer slaves. We are children of the Almighty. Have a great Easter, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching, that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church.